When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It's the Hey Mary Kay edition. We're actually going to do two Hey Mary Kay podcasts in a row. So uh, you'll get to hear Mary Kay answer questions about all sorts of things over the next couple days. But today it's about the Baker passing camp in Austin and the possibility of the Browns bringing back Sheldon Richardson. So we get into all of that here on our Tuesday pod. If you're not a football insider subscriber, you've got to go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click on the banner at the top of the page and get info and get signed up. You get an exclusive newsletter every day delivered to your inbox. I wrote the one that was delivered today. You also get access to those stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. And you can be one of our text subscribers. So again, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up and become a football insider. Now, our Tuesday podcast. Here we go on our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We are going to record back-to-back Hey Mary Kays. So if you don't get your question in today, we're going to put a call out for some more uh, for our next podcast. But Mary Kay, a lot of people, a lot of our football insider subscribers had questions about Baker Mayfield and the passing camp that he is holding in Austin. So the gist of the questions was basically this. Hey Mary Kay, if Browns players can get together in Austin to practice... Why can't they come to Berea for OTAs? Well, you know, I think a lot of it probably has to do with the fact that this was an offense that basically is backing up its starting center, J.C. Treader, who spearheaded the movement as the president of the NFLPA to make sure that guys knew that these camps were voluntary and that it was in their best interest to skip them. And I think these guys are trying to say, you know, this is a united front. We are backing it. We have the back of J.C. Treader. In addition to the health aspect of it, there was sort of a let's take back control of the offseason. Let's take it into our own hands. They're telling us that they're voluntary. We don't have to be there. Let's stop the shaming. Let's stop the judging. And let's do what we want with our time in our own offseason. So I think there's a little bit of that going on. But there are other factors to consider here, too. We're still in a pandemic situation. Players still have to get tested. Not everybody is vaccinated. There are no mandates yet for players to be vaccinated. And therefore, there are very strict protocols for players that are not vaccinated. I don't know what percentage of players that is, but perhaps there are some that don't want to deal with that right now. And they want their offseason to be their own. You know, this way, you know, they don't have to get tested. They don't have to test positive. They don't have to quarantine. uh, They don't have to do any of those things right now. And I'm sure they feel very free without those kind of restrictions on them. Uh, So that I think that has to do something to do with it. And then, you know, I think maybe there's some camaraderie that that can go on in Austin when they can get on Baker's boat and do some things like that. They can run 
the uh, the passing camp at their own pace, and they they can you know they don't have to do seven on sevens for twenty minutes, and then do individual drills for this amount of time and do stretching. They can do it however they want to do it. And I, I think it's just they're making that statement and they're also backing up J.C. Treader. Yeah, the testing thing is interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. But yeah, if they showed up to Berea, they'd have to get tested and they'd have to go through that whole process. And I have to imagine during the season that that had to be stressful to get tested every day and just kind of sit around and wait to find out if you were going to be the guy that, that tested positive that day. Uh, that couldn't have been a, a great feeling and it had to, to kind of wear guys down. So I think that that part of it is actually something I hadn't thought of as far as all that is concerned. We've kind of danced around this a little bit and, and Kevin Stefanski was getting asked about it. Is, is this offense falling behind by doing this? You know, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, because when I look around at what these guys have been doing, first of all, these offensive players have already gotten together one time at House of Athlete in Florida. We think that's the only time they've been together so far as an entire group. But that was a very productive, about three days, maybe four days of a passing camp that they did there at the House of Athlete. And a lot of guys showed up for that. So that's number one. If this is the second time that they're doing it, I think they can get a lot done in these sort of informal passing camps that they're doing. Then when you look at uh, some of the individual work that these guys have been doing, I think it's way more aggressive than, than what they would be getting on their own in terms of starting out with stretching and warmups than individual drills. I mean, if you look at, at Jarvis Landry's workouts when he works with the Receiver Factory and House of Athlete, I mean, these guys work and they're taking it upon themselves to set the bar very, very hard high for their workouts. Uh, you will have uh, David Njoku and Austin Hooper, if they haven't yet, attending tight end university this offseason. And they get a lot of just position-specific work done. I don't think they're falling behind. I mean, when you look at Odell Beckham Jr., he knows how to get his game face on. He knows how to get ready for the season. And he's working so incredibly hard that I can hardly believe that he is only six months out from ACL surgery. Now, it's interesting. We saw on Instagram, uh, Jedrick Wills actually reported. So we've seen at least one offensive line report, offensive lineman report. How do you think that's going to pull for the offensive linemen? They're not going to Austin, obviously, because there's nothing they can really do in a passing camp. Uh, so I'd, I'd imagine those guys aren't going to be there. Do you, do you think we'll see more of the offensive linemen trickle in outside of Jed Wills? You know, I'm not sure. There could be more guys there today that we don't know about. I mean, we really we really don't know. I mean, I, I would have to wonder if some of the, the offensive linemen were also just kind of trying to present that united front with, with J.C. Treader, like a Joel Batonio. You know, he might not necessarily feel that he needs to come in until the minicamp. But a, a, a young man like Jed Wills, he knows that he's got to pick up his game uh, for next year. We've talked about this a couple of times. Uh, he did really well in pass blocking. He was ranked 22nd in pass blocking, according to pro football focus, but his run blocking uh, was not where he would want it to be and probably not where the Browns would want it to be. So he knows he's got some work to do. And so it behooves a player like him to come on in, to start getting coached up, to start getting that individualized attention. And he was also injured at the end of last season. So he also needs some rehab. And, and to get himself together physically. So these are some of the reasons why he's here. Okay, a question about this passing camp. Dan from Chattanooga. Hey, Mary Kay, do the offensive coordinators or coaches give suggestions to Baker for him to run during his camp? So 
even though they're not getting coached up, do you think they're getting some I don't know, tips or, or whatever, getting instruction from like Alex Van Pelt or Kevin Stefanski? Hey, why don't you guys work on this? You know, here's something maybe you guys could do. Dan from Chattanooga and Dan from Ohio is are both wondering. <laughs> well, here's the thing. They've already been on virtual meetings for since April 19th. And in those virtual meetings, they've been going over the new schemes and wrinkles in the offense. And they already have a playbook from last year. So they know the terminology from last year. They know way more about how the system works than they did last offseason. And now some of the new wrinkles that they're, they're incorporating, they've been installing those in meetings. I mean, they've had meetings every single day. So just because we haven't seen these guys together yet in the offseason program, they have been on Zoom. They've been participating. They've been talking to their coaches. So they don't really need to talk to them, you know, while they are out at the passing camp in Austin. They can take what they've learned last year and in the Zooms this year and put it on the field. And they're doing just that. And part of it too is, is Baker certainly has an opportunity to take some ownership over this offense too, because he's been in it now he's going into his second year and, and he's the quarterback. So you kind of want to see him take a little ownership and say, you know, this is the stuff I like to do. You know, these are the routes I like you guys to run, whatever. I, I think that's a good thing. If, if Baker kind of takes that on himself on his own, you know, maybe without the, the aid of the coaching staff or the help of the coaching staff. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And the more confident he gets, uh, the more he'll be able to do that. And I think the fact that he had so much success in the offense in the second half of last season, uh, I, I think it, it sort of paved the way for him to be able to dictate a little bit about, hey, I'd like to do more of this. I'd like more play action. I'd like to get the ball to this guy a little bit more. Uh, let's run in this situation. Let me run a trick play. Let me go you know, try to catch the ball or whatever the case may be. I do think he'll take more ownership. One of the things that I'm trying to stress and emphasize uh, this offseason is the fact that I think he has so much confidence in himself now and that he has so he knows that he could be successful in this. I don't think he's going to have the voices in his head that say to him, oh, I've got to get the ball to this guy or I've got to get the ball to this guy or I got to worry about these guys making the Pro Bowl. I think he's going to be able to block all of that out this year and distribute the ball in the way that he sees fit knowing that, that he can run this and be very successful at it, even with an Odell off the field. So I don't think he's going to feel any kind of pressure to make sure that somebody's getting 10 targets or 12 targets or 100 yards or anything like that. You know, along those lines, too, I, I think it is helpful to, you know, you, you kind of touched on this. It does help to just not have a coach hovering over your shoulder. I mean, you, you do get to dictate everything. And these guys... So if Baker and Jarvis aren't on the same page on something, they're going to sit down and hash it out. You know, Chad O'Shea is not going to be there saying, hey, do this. Kevin Stefanski is not going to be, you know, these guys get to sit down and say, this is how we want to do this. Let's work this out together. I think that has to help from a team chemistry standpoint as well. Yes, absolutely. 100%. It does. In addition to the team chemistry standpoint from on the field, I really think a lot happens from a team chemistry standpoint when Baker Mayfield is hosting these guys in his hometown where they can go out on a boat, where they can have a cookout, where they can get to know each other, where they don't have to socially distance, where they don't have to wear masks. I mean, last year, all those things were in place. They couldn't do those kinds of things. 
restrictions have lifted in some states a lot, Texas being one of those states where they can kind of freely enjoy each other's company and get to know each other. I just have a feeling that Baker's probably a really good host when it comes to that. I mean, he's right. I mean, I think he's probably, you know, so much fun to be around in, in that kind of a setting. He's, he's gotta be the, uh, you know, the, the party coordinator. I, I would think that he's, he's, he's a really, really good host and making sure that everybody's having a great time and they'll, they'll create memories. And that's huge. That is huge for a team to be able to do that, to have fun together, uh, because that translates then to training camp, that translates to the practice week, that translates to game day. And there was a lot of that missing last year. They didn't get to do that. Half the fun of being in the NFL is that camaraderie. And so I think it's starting this week in Austin. Yeah. And well, all their, like you said, all their meetings are virtual. So even for the people who are, you know, why can't they be in Berea? Well, if they were in Berea, they'd be going to practice and then scampering home to their condo or house or whatever and joining the virtual meetings. That's sort of how things are going, are being run right now. So and who knows, maybe they're even attending, maybe they're all sitting together around a computer somewhere. They've got the Zoom projected on some screen somewhere Then uh, and they're doing some of these meetings together. There's some opportunities there for, for maybe some team bonding that they wouldn't otherwise get. Next topic here, Mary Kay, you have a lot on this podcast, not shut this down. And then this weekend you wrote that it was still a possibility. A lot of people asking about Sheldon Richardson. So let's just start here. Robert Seltzer from El Paso, Texas wants to know, Hey, Mary Kay, how much stronger would the defensive line be if Sheldon Richardson returned? And perhaps more importantly, how much more unified, cohesive, and determined would the locker room be if he came back? Sheldon Richardson is a locker room favorite. His teammates love him. He's a great leader on that line. And while, while Miles Garrett was sort of figuring out how to find his voice and become more of a leader, Sheldon in, in 2019 was almost the leader of, I mean, I, I would have to say the leader of that defensive line while Miles figured out his way. And also, you know, then he got suspended. And, and Sheldon had to kind of try to hold things together a little bit. He was also very instrumental uh, in keeping the football team together after the Miles Garrett incident, when there were certain things said, you know, Baker Mayfield said some things before he knew all of the details of what went on. And these guys kind of had to bring uh, the, the offense and the defense and some of the players back together to remember, we keep things in house. We're a family. This is how we do things. And it's really old school, right, Dan? I mean, you, you know, these old school players, Sheldon Richardson is as old school as it gets, right? I mean, I've covered this team for many years. Sheldon would have fit back with those 1980s teams, uh, those AFC championship teams, he would have fit with those guys. Okay. And these, you know, these were, you know, the Michael Dean Perry's and uh, you know, just the dogs, the Hanford Dixon, Frank Minifield, those, you know, those guys, he would have fit right in. I mean, he, he's from, from that era. He's, he, he's really, really from, from another era. I say that about miles sometimes too, but from a football standpoint, that's how Sheldon is. But I just think that he should come running back here because this is the perfect fit for him. I mean, think about this. Think about how the fans have reacted to him being gone and how excited they get when they think he's coming back. 
he's not going to get that in whatever other team is interested in him. He's not going to be embraced in that city the way he has been here. And that counts for a lot. Now, I don't know what the money is going to be. I don't know if it's going to be apples to apples. I don't know if the Browns are going to offer him more money, less money than other teams. But I think this is the perfect situation for him. He will start. I mean, there's just no way. If he comes back, you're plugging him right back in as a starter on that defensive line. No question about it. He already has that synergy with Miles Garrett. They know each other so well and what each other are going to do. And I think that's important when you have potentially going to have, you know, three new starters on the defensive line. This way you would only really have two. And I think that's important. I mean, because the, uh, the learning curve would be shortened. I mean, if you have those two guys sort of setting the tone and leading the way, two new starters is better than three on a unit. So, you know, from that standpoint, I think it's important. He just fits here. So I, for one, you know, I, I think that if somebody's at, offering him a few more dollars, I would turn down those few more dollars to come back here uh, for an opportunity to be everything that he is to this football team. Yeah, we, we've talked about this before. And, you know, open locker room in the NFL has been a hot topic on social media the last probably week and a half. But, you know, there are admittedly days when you're in there and you're kind of like, OK, what am I getting out of this? But there's also a lot of times when you kind of get to see things that you otherwise wouldn't get to see. And, and Sheldon and the way he just is was the center of that locker room in 2019 when we were in there and just every position group gravitated towards him. You know, there wasn't a guy in that locker room, it, it seemed, that didn't like Sheldon. You know, having a guy like that matters. And like you said, that has sort of, he, he's used that to really kind of hold the team together in, in times when they could have fractured. And that's an important guy to have in that locker room. And if you can bring him back for the right price, why wouldn't you want that? And there were also questions about the depth on the defensive tackle situation. So if you brought Sheldon back, how would he fit? And the more I think about it, I don't know how much depth is actually there as much as there's kind of just a bunch of guys there that we don't know a lot about at this point outside of maybe Malik Jackson. You're, you're right. It's going to be hard. I think in some ways to sort of figure out how you can keep all these guys. I mean, you're almost going to need somebody to get a little hangnail that lands them on injured reserve for a while. Right. I mean, you're just going to need to find a way to keep some of these guys because they have good promise. You drafted Tommy Togiai. You're keeping him. He's going to be on the roster. Then you had to spend some significant undrafted rookie dollars to sign Marvin Wilson. Uh, so you're going, going to want to try to keep him on the roster or you will lose him if you try to put him on the practice squad. Then you signed Malik McDowell. He's out right now with the hamstring. Maybe he's one of those guys where that becomes a little bit of a lingering thing and you need to kind of put him on our IR for a little bit. I, I don't know how that's going to work out, but uh, I think they, they're going to find themselves caught up in a little bit of a numbers game. If you bring back, uh, if you bring back Sheldon, you've got Jordan Elliott that is also still there. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of bodies, but having said that, if you can bring back a starter like Sheldon, I think it's well worth it. And I think he'll also help teach those young guys. I mean, who, who else would you want to teach some of those young guys, the position than Sheldon. He's a good guy. He's a good teacher. He knows how things are done. And he's, he's a good technician. He's, he's really good at his job. He's a, was a 2014 pro bowler there, you know, there's really good depth there and they might have just some decisions to make, but I think they'll be able to be creative enough to figure out how to do that. I don't know that there's any guarantees there. You know, obviously Jordan Elliott will probably get his opportunity, but I'm 
maybe he's just a backup. Well, we'll find out. Malik McDowell is a guy that you mentioned who still has to work his way back a little bit, right? He's got to prove it off the field more than anything. And he hasn't played. He's never played an NFL game. So, you know, that's a guy you can maybe get creative with and, you know, hide somewhere on your roster once you, once you cut down to 53, just because of some of the issues he's had. So there's just a lot of different ways you could go in that defensive tackle room. And the reality is if Sheldon's better than some of those guys, then bring back Sheldon because you're trying to win a Super Bowl. And I forgot about Andrew Billings. And the only reason why I forgot about Andrew Billings uh, is because he opted out last year. Uh, But Andrew Billings was slated for a very large role last year. Uh, He either would have beat out Larry Ogunjobi for the starting job, or he would have rotated in there uh, a significant amount. He's another one. So you're looking at, again, a a room full of big guys uh, to put there in that middle. But this, I think this defensive line is shaping up to be really, really good. And if you can get Sheldon back in there and you can start Miles, Sheldon, Malik, or Andrew and Jadavian Clowney, you're looking at a pretty formidable defensive line. And, and I think they would be onto something there. Yeah. And, well, and the other thing to remember is like, you know, last year was last year. You know, last year they signed Andrew Billings because they needed Andrew Billings. Maybe, you know, now since then they've drafted Jordan Elliott. They've drafted Tommy Togiai. They have might bring back Sheldon Richardson. They've signed Malik Jackson and Malik McDowell. It, it's just things change. And now Andrew Billings is kind of in a position where he's got to earn his spot back. It, it might feel a little unfair because he chose to opt out. And I understand that. But, you know, the league, the league changes. And so now he's kind of in a position where maybe he's got to earn his spot more than he would have last year. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, who knows how this is going to work out. The good thing for uh, for Andrew is that he showed up last week and, he, you know, he didn't right. have to. He was one of the veteran guys uh, that came in to show, look, I'm coming off the opt out. I need to be here. I need to show them uh, that, that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be on this football field. But there's going to be some really good competition. And of course, as we know, the more competition you have at a position, the better off everybody is. And there's certainly a lot of competition now on that interior of the defensive line. It's going to be one of the positions to watch, especially if our guy Sheldon is, uh, is back in the fold there. Okay. So that'll do it for this part of the Hey Mary Kay podcast. We're going to come back on Wednesday with another edition of the Hey Mary Kay podcast. There's some questions you all sent in that we want to get to, but then we're also going to put a call out for other questions. And I'll tell you what, if you leave a five-star review on a Hey Mary Kay question, maybe we'll throw uh, one or two of those in as, as well as we go along tomorrow. Uh, So anyway, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're a football insider, subscriber, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.